In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him, and calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, Where is the Messiah who was to be born? They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then King Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. Christmas pageants and nativity scenes would not be complete without the three wise men and maybe a camel or two. However, Christmas Eve, we only give them bit parts because we don't want to deal with the dark side. On Christmas Eve, we don't really want to deal with the evil King Herod and his paranoia over the threat to his power in Judea. We don't want to think about the tragic deaths of the innocent babies by one who wanted to maintain privilege and control in the political arena. So we usually focus more on Luke's version of the nativity of Jesus in our Christmas Eve services. And besides, when we look at Matthew, there's really only two short verses that actually deal with the birth, the last two of that chapter. But the very next verse, which was our lesson, begins, In the time of King Herod, wise men from the east came. Well, we believe that all the gospel writers, Matthew, also understands that Jesus has come to bring change. He was not sent to confirm and reinforce the status quo. But each evangelist puts the focus on different aspects, and Matthew seems to be particularly sensitive to Jesus coming to usher in the kingdom of God over and against the Roman Empire. Matthew seems also to be very concerned about the Jewish leaders' compromises and complicity with Rome in order to keep the peace, but more importantly, to secure their own privileged status So Matthew tells the story of the visit of the Magi to make some of his points. So who are these Magi? 
these wise men, the three kings of the Orient, as they've been tagged by songs and legend. Well, we believe Matthew understood them to be priests from Persia who followed the Zoroastrian religion, which embraced a universalism, one supreme deity who is opposed by an evil cosmic entity. However, it also held hope for having a savior who would come finally to establish a kingdom of righteousness. Their cosmic view also held a belief that there was an afterlife and they had a system of angelology as well. With such a belief system, magi would be more likely to see, to recognize and interpret celestial events, signs in the skies, as foretelling the fulfillment of their hopes. Their reports and interpretations were anxiously received among the Persians and the Romans because of the common belief that an especially bright star signaled an important birth and a fading star indicated an imminent death of some leader. And a comet in the sky was seen as a sign that some event was just about to occur very soon. And if that big event was coming, then it either meant something good or something bad. So kings welcomed the Magi to get their interpretations of the signs in the stars. In ancient times, rulers were always wondering, should they be preparing for a great celebration because something good would happen, or should they be mustering their army to defend their borders in time of war? Well, the Magi were not kings themselves, but often would be welcome at court as advisors and special consultants to the kings. That's why they would have such an easy access into Herod's court. Well, I found it interesting that one Bible commentary noted that the Magi, with all their wisdom and all their special revelations, had followed the star to Jerusalem. They had come into King Herod's court without bowing down and offering Herod homage that was due to a sitting king. By contrast, when they find the baby Jesus, they knelt down and paid him homage. The point is simply a demonstration of who deserves and who does not deserve homage and respect. The opening of their treasure chest, they offered Jesus gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And because we have three gifts, tradition and legend has given us three magi. But the text doesn't say whether there was one, two, five, or six. It just doesn't say. Much has been made of the symbolism of the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold is usually associated with royalty, so gold indicates gifts to a king. Jesus is to be king of the Jews. Frankincense indicates a priestly role of being a mediator between God and the people a reconciler, a healer. And myrrh is a foreboding of death since it's often used in funerals and burial rituals. So these most common meanings would fit very nicely into Matthew's themes. By contrast between the relationship of the Magi with Herod and the Magi with Jesus, 
those contrasts are developed further. The Magi are so enthusiastic and hopeful about the star as a sign of a new king being born to bring in a reign of righteousness and purity. They are passionate about their vision of hope, and they risk life and limb to follow this star. So they have trust. They have faith. And indeed, they would find a new king, and they would then offer not only the gifts of material things, but their heart and their mind and their spirits to this king. Their hopefulness, their faith, their trust in an unknown future, and their openness and generosity are a stark contrast to Herod, who reacts with fear and treachery. We assume Herod is afraid of losing his power and privileged status. In terms of his kingdom, he's really only a puppet king. He is underneath the imperial Rome and Roman patronage. Matthew tells us that when Herod heard the news of the new king of the Jews being born, he was frightened And curiously, and all of Jerusalem with him. He calls in the chief priests and scribes of the people to meet with him. Well, it seems that Matthew wants us to see Herod and his buddies, the chief priests and scribes of the people, as a powerful elite, the vested interest in the status quo. We know that the whole economic and religious systems were complicit with the Roman authority. Dr. Biggs earlier talked of Pax Romana. It was peace through victory. What that meant was crush your opponents, annihilate your enemies, torture and crucify your political prisoners. Pax Romana was not a peace of justice and equity. It was not the Hebrew shalom, which meant peace as harmonious loving, caring relationships. Pax Romana was not the kingdom of peace and justice that the prophets foretold, where the lion lays down with the lamb. So, word of a new king meant a shake-up of the economic and political structure by telling us Herod called in the high priests and scribes of the people. Matthew wants us to remember that it was this same coalition the same axis of evil, so to speak, who conspired to crucify Jesus 30-odd years later. It was this group of the privileged who opposed Jesus and therefore opposed God. Now, to my way of thinking, it seems to me that if these magi, whom we nickname wise men, were indeed wise, they could have figured out that Herod was lying through his teeth and that he would want to eliminate any competition from another king. If this was just a novel and not holy scriptures, we'd be asking, why do they need God to warn them in a dream about Herod? Well, the answer is simply that dreams are one of Matthew's ways of telling us that in the midst of these very unique and obviously unusual events, God has to help the actors in this drama, do the right thing. These events are so once in a lifetime of all humanity that there is no standard operating procedure. There is no follow your instincts. So God needs to help the process along with revelations through dreams. 
And so, it's also a way of reminding us that this whole event is a God thing. And the dreams are Matthew's way of reminding us this is a God thing. Well, up until having been warned in a dream, the Magi were using their own learning and reasoning and science and their traditions of comparative religions and so forth, but the dream was a divine revelation which inspired them to go a different way. We don't think about it in this way, but the Magi have to disobey the legal authority in order to obey God's authority. So here we have it very early in Matthew's gospel. The Magi had seen the light of Christ and they would never be the same again. An encounter with Christ calls forth life-altering decisions. An encounter with Christ should make such a difference that it changes us so that we would all go home as different people. We would all go home a different way. In Matthew's gospel, we see a strong emphasis that follows that followers of the Christ respond to life differently after they encounter Christ. Matthew places heavy emphasis on doing things differently. It's Matthew's gospel that says in the mouth of Jesus, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. And he explains what that doing God's will is later in his gospel when he talks about the last judgment, when we will be judged as faithful servants by a criteria on the way we respond to the least of these, to those who are hungry and thirsty and naked and sick and in prison. And we are told that However we respond to them, that's the way we're really responding to Jesus. And that's what God's watching. Well, 25 years ago, our Methodist Upper Room published a book of Advent devotions written by uh, <clears throat> Pastor Joe Pinnell, Jr., who wrote the book entitled Whispers of Christmas. He tells how a Nicaraguan peasant farm worker responded to the story of the Magi saying, I think these wise men fouled things up by going to Herod and asking about a liberator. It would be like someone going to our dictator to ask him, where's the one who's going to knock you out of power and liberate us? Now, Joe Pinnell writes that whenever the message of Christ is taken into the world, there is the possibility that it will be met with rejection. And he writes, I was a pastor in Memphis, Tennessee, when Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. was killed on the balcony of a downtown hotel, a motel. I learned of the shooting when we were in the church finance committee meeting when our, our black custodian come running in. Dr. King has been shot. Dr. King has been shot. The next morning, the local newspaper urgently called all the clergy of the city to a meeting. And after a brief devotional and prayers and some remarks, the clergy decided to march in mass to the office of Mayor Henry Loeb as a symbol of love and reconciliation. We wanted the mayor to reconsider his opposition to the striking sanitation workers as a symbol of repentance and love. 
So leaving the sanctuary, we formed ourselves in lines two abreast and started walking toward the city hall. Just before we completed the first block of our march, a young deacon from St. Mary's Church ran back into the church and brought out the processional cross, which is commonly used every morning in the processional for worship. Like ours, if it's there. So with humility yet boldness, the young deacon placed himself at the head of the processional now aimed at the city's seat of power. As we walked, television cameras were descending upon us and reporters from New York and from California started pumping us with questions about our motives and how we felt about the shooting. When our journey was about half completed, an older woman started yelling from a second-floor apartment window. As I drew closer to her, I could finally hear the anger in the shrill of her voice. And her words were, The cross belongs in the church. The cross belongs in the church. I'm a member of St. Mary's. Take our cross back to the church where it belongs. Well, Pastor Pinnell concluded her secure kingdom, like Herod's, was being threatened. And she responded not with homage, but with rejection. And I would say her response showed that even though she believed herself to be a follower of Jesus, she had not allowed Jesus to transform her heart. She did not realize it, but her response was siding with Pax Romana, which means crush your opponents, annihilate your enemies, torture and crucify your political prisoners. She could not see that a peaceful demonstration asking for justice for the least of these, my brothers, is a faithful following of our Lord Jesus. And the reason the cross is the great symbol of our faith is because Jesus was crucified on a cross because he confronted and challenged the structures of power and privilege with a call to do God's will in the streets, in the marketplace, in the halls of government. Well, once we truly encounter Christ, we are changed And we start taking a different route with our lives. Even if that route may mean disobeying disobeying some earthly authority in order to obey God's call to live out the kingdom values in the streets, in the marketplace, and in our everyday lives. And finally, it is Matthew's gospel that we find these words of Jesus. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but puts it on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Amen. And amen.